You know, there are times we find ourselves in a place like Elijah. We get discouraged, we get defeated, we get down and out, and just like God did with Elijah, God whispers to us in that still small voice and asks us, what are you doing here? What are you doing here in this pit of despair? Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I got a question for you. We begin our message this morning titled, What Are You Doing Here? Do you ever feel discouraged, despondent, down and out, overwhelmed? Have you been there? I think if we're completely honest, all of us have had times in our lives where we felt that way. Times of sickness or sorrow or sadness, doubt or fear. You just want to dig a hole and crawl in it. You have those times where you want to sing along with Eddie Arnold, make the world go away and get it off my shoulders. Now I want to say right up front at the beginning this morning, I don't want to be misunderstood in any way when I preach on this subject because there are some people who have some very serious mental health issues, very serious depression. It's those cases where they need the help of a doctor or medicine or therapy or counseling. I'm not talking about those situations this morning. I I want to make that very clear because those are some very real medical situations that have to be dealt with the proper way. But when it comes to getting down or getting discouraged, getting depressed, none of us are immune. Most all of us go through some season of life where we have that feeling. And this long, dreary winter weather doesn't help the situation a whole lot. There's some pretty influential people who have battled with bouts of depression. Winston Churchill, one of the most influential leaders of the 20th century, had bouts of depression. He referred to him as the black dog that leapt at his neck. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers in history, had a lifelong struggle with depression. Sir Isaac Newton, the famous mathematician and physicist, when looking in his college notebooks, they're filled with details of his anxiety and deep valleys of despair, low self-esteem. And then former President Abraham Lincoln, we're not told much in history about him being this way, but he he fought clinical depression his entire life. Talked of ending his life several times as a young man. And his law partner, a guy by the name of William Herndon, said this of Lincoln. He said, melancholy just drips off of him as he walks. We don't think of him being that way, but he was. Just as we've got historical figures in history that have battled with those situations, they've not been immune to depression or or discouragement. There are quite a few well-known biblical characters we think about that's kind of surprising to us. We think of Moses, the man who God had chosen to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Got to speak to God face to face. Saw God do some miraculous things leading them out of Egypt and leading them through the Red Sea on dry ground. Yet Moses had a time where he was very low. 
In Numbers chapter 11, he prayed a prayer and he says to God, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me if I found favor in your eyes. And do not let me face my own ruin. That was Moses, a man chosen by God. Yet he was not immune to getting down. We think about King David, God's chosen, anointed king of Israel. The Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. Yet we read in the Psalms where David had some times where he was very low and his soul was distressed. If we think about Psalm 32, listen to some of these verses out of Psalm 32. David writes, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. He goes on to say, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the summer heat. He writes in Psalm 38, Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. And he writes in Psalm 61, he cries out to God, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And then the man that we're going to talk about this morning, the prophet Elijah. Elijah was a mighty man of God. Used by God in a wonderful way during his lifetime. Elijah steps on the stage of history in, in a couple of chapters prior to what we're going to read here in, in 1 Kings 19. But he's introduced to us in 1 Kings chapter 17 where he makes this bold statement to this wicked king Ahab. He says, there's not going to be any more dew or rain unless it comes by my word. And that's where we're first introduced to the prophet Elijah. And then in chapter 18, he has a spiritual high point where he calls all the Israel together and he calls the 450 prophets of Baal. You remember the story. And he says to the people of Israel, you're going to choose this day who you're going to serve, whether it be Baal or whether it be God. And they built the altar and they had the prophets of Baal call out to Baal. And they did that all day long. And they screamed and hollered and danced around the altar and cut themselves. But Baal didn't answer. And then Elijah calls out to God. The scripture says fire came down from heaven and licked up all the sacrifice and all the altar and all the dirt even, the water and everything that was there. That was a spiritual high point. After that, they had the 450 prophets of Baal killed. He seized them and killed them. But then, just the next chapter, this chapter that we're going to read from here this morning, chapter 19, after that spiritual high point, he hits a pit of despair. The wicked queen Jezebel hears what he's done and she puts out a hit on him and says, in the next 24 hours, you're going to be like them. You're going to be killed. I'm going to have you killed in the next 24 hours. And he hits this pit of discouragement. You know, there are times we find ourselves in a place like Elijah. We get discouraged. We get defeated. We get down and out. And just like God did with Elijah, God whispers to us in that still small voice and asks us, what are you doing here? 
What are you doing here in this pit of despair? Elijah was in a place he shouldn't have been. And God intended to bring him back. And this morning as we study this passage, I want us to see how and why he got where he got. To this pit of despair and discouragement. And how the Lord brought him back. And I hope to learn some lessons that we can apply to our lives this morning as we read together. Look at 1 Kings 19. We're going to read the first 18 verses. God's word says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that, like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anyone who, es who escaped the sword of Haziel. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Let's pray. Father, as we look into this passage this morning, Lord, speak to us through your word. Help us to learn the lessons that you'd have us to, to learn and apply to our daily lives. It's in Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. 
Now here was a man of God who had had a spiritual high point. God had given him a great victory. He'd showed out on Mount Carmel. And the next thing you know, he's hiding in a cave in a pit of despair and discouraged. I want us to see first the circumstances that crippled him. The circumstances that crippled him. I want us to see that Elijah saw the wrong things. In verse 3 of that text, it says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. But the King James Version and the New King James Version says it a different way. It says, and when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. When he saw what? When he saw that Jezebel had put it in for him to be killed. He saw that she was going to have him killed. You know, it's always a bad thing when you start looking at your circumstances. When all you see is your circumstances. When you take your eyes off of Jesus. That's when things go wrong. When we take our eyes off of God, it's easy to be afraid. As NIV said there in verse 3. You know, the Israelites, once they left Egypt in Exodus 14, they got to the edge of the Red Sea. And they turned and they looked behind them and there was Pharaoh and all his men coming behind them. And they got afraid. Because all they could see was the circumstances they were in. They couldn't see a way out. And they cried out to Moses, why did you drag us out here? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? What did you do bringing us way out here to die? But Moses responded to them in Exodus 14. He said in verse 13 of that chapter, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. He encouraged them to see the right thing, to see the deliverance the Lord had for them. He said, The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then another instance in Numbers chapter 13 when they sent out the 12 spies into Canaan. And you remember 10 of them came back with a bad report. They saw the wrong things. They saw in verse 33 of Numbers chapter 13, it says, there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. See, they saw the wrong things. They saw their circumstances. They took their eyes off the right Thing. They took their eyes off the Lord. But Joshua and Caleb, they responded, if the Lord is pleased with us, he'll lead us into the land. A land flowing with milk and honey. You see, they saw. They had their eyes on the right thing. When David encountered Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, all the other people, all the other soldiers were terrified. But David saw the right thing. And he said, the Lord is going to deliver me into your hands. You see, folks, sometimes we get discouraged. We get depressed simply because we're seeing the wrong things. We're not looking in the right spot. We focus on the problem and not the solution. We focus on the situation and not the Savior. What are you seeing today? What are you seeing today? Hebrews chapter 12 reminds us since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses 
fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's where we need to be looking. Not only did Elijah get into trouble because he saw the wrong things, he also got into this pit of despair because he sought the wrong things. He was looking for the wrong things. He wanted things on his terms. Earlier he had run for his life because he had heard Jezebel was trying to kill him. And then just a few verses later he says, Lord, kill me. Wouldn't it have been easier to stand still? If he really wanted to die, she would have made it happen. She would have made it happen. But he really didn't want to die. He wanted it on his terms. He wanted things to fall the way he wanted. He was seeking the wrong things. But we do that. We want things to work out our way. On our terms. We put our desires and our wishes in front of what God wants. And then when it starts to fall apart, we throw a little pity party and start pouting. And we say, hey, take me out, God. It's not working out the way it ought to. But Jesus reminds us we're to follow him. Matthew 16 and verse 24 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. We've seen the circumstances that crippled Elijah and it cripples us as well. When we see the wrong things and we seek the wrong things. Now I want us to see the compassion that calmed him. The compassion that calmed him. Look in verses 5 through 8 there of that chapter 19, 1 Kings 19. Elijah had <clears throat> come to a broom tree and he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. And he laid down and went to sleep. And notice the compassion of God here. It says, the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he ate and drank. He fell back to sleep and he touched him again and said, eat and drink. This journey that you're about to be on is too much for you to bear. You need some sustenance. In those times of despair and discouragement, God does not come to us with a rebuke. He comes to us with a gentle touch because he loves us. And he provides our every need. We're reminded of that in Hebrews chapter 4, that he can empathize with what we need. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, that he did not sin. God provides that gentleness of grace, the grace of his presence. He comforts us with his presence. When you and I are on a low limb, his presence would bring us comfort. We're never alone. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, he says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He provides us the grace of his provision. You see there, Elijah needed some food and drink. And God gently provided it for him. He provides our every need as well too. We're reminded of that in Philippians 4 and verse 19. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He provides us with the grace of his presence, the grace of his provision. But he provides for the, us with the grace of his patience. He's patient with us. He's patient with Elijah there. Elijah thought he was done. He thought he was all washed up. 
And since he thought he was washed up, he thought God ought to take him out. He thought since he was done, then God was done. But it doesn't work that way. Just because we may think we're done, God's not done. God's not finished. God tells him there, the angel of the Lord tells him, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. You see, there's still a journey that he had to take. He thought he was done. God said, oh no, you need to get up and eat and drink. Restore yourself so that you can prepare yourself for the journey that I have laid out ahead of you. God still has plans for us. There are times, sometimes we get down and we think we're all done. There's nothing else I can do. I'm done. I'm washed up. God says, you need to remember, it's not over till I say it's over. You get up and eat and drink and prepare for the journey I have laid out for you. We've seen the circumstances that crippled Elijah and they cripple us as well. We look at the wrong things and we seek the wrong things. We see the compassion that God offers to calm us, giving us the, the grace and the gentleness that He provides with His presence, His provision, and that patience that He has with us. And then the third and final thing, we look at the confrontation that cured Him. The confrontation that cured him. God confronted Elijah's actions. Elijah ran and hid in a cave there in verse 9. And it says there that the word of the Lord whispered to him, what are you doing here? What are you doing here in this pit of despair? What are you doing in this cave? You see, God didn't call him to live in a cave. God called him to stand up for him. In the same way, God does not call us to be in a pit of despair, thinking that we're washed up, thinking that we're not to, to be doing anything else. God calls us to stand for Him. He didn't save us to be discouraged and defeated. He saved us to experience the peace and joy that only He can offer. Philippians 4 and verse 6 says these words, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 talks about the inexpressible and glorious joy that we're filled with when we seek His face. Not only did God confront His actions of hiding in a cave, He confronted His attitude. You see, Elijah wanted to see the spectacular and the miraculous he had seen that. God had moved in a mighty way on Mount Carmel just the chapter before. But now God wasn't doing too much in his mind. And he was depressed. He was discouraged. Too often we get defeated when God doesn't do big things in our lives or we, or we feel like he's not doing big things in our lives. We get down. We get discouraged. We get depressed. We call it crawl into that cave of of self-pity. And God whispers to us just like He whispered to Elijah. What are you doing here? Come out of that cave. Come out of that pit of despair. If we would learn to praise God for the little things, we wouldn't have anything to ever run out of praising Him about. Praising Him for the little things. We need to remember that God's greatest work is the work He does in a human heart. The work he does in the human heart is his greatest work. So I don't know where you are this morning. 
But you know. And God knows. Maybe you've been crippled by staring at your circumstances. You can't see past the other side. Maybe you're discouraged. You just need to turn your eyes upon Jesus as we'll sing in a minute. Seek Him. Maybe you're in a deep valley of despair and you feel like you want to crawl into that cave and get away. God is whispering to you this morning. What are you doing here? Come out of that cave. Come out of that pit of despair. Trust Him to heal your broken spirit. As we sang earlier, why should I be discouraged when Jesus is my portion? A constant friend is He. His eyes on the sparrow and I know He watches me. We just need to turn our eyes on Him. Seek His face. Would you do that this morning? Would you respond to Him in whatever way you need to respond? Let's pray together. Father, help us to remember that You're always with us. You're always there for us. You provide our every need. Father, when we get down and get discouraged and feel like we want to crawl in a cave, Father, help us to hear your voice saying, what are you doing here? Calling us out to live for you, live boldly for you. Father, forgive us where we've not done that. and Help us to be better witnesses for you in the days and weeks to come. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.